Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another virtual plant clinic this wonderful uh, Thursday morning. And as you can see here at Dr. Bill's virtual plant clinic, we're having a very hard time finding, um, what's his name? Dr. Bill. Dr. Yes. Bill. <laughs> yes, we are having, but you know what? He's a very busy man. He's not very far away from us at this moment. Uh, last week he was literally in Gainesville. Right now he's literally, what, 20, 40 feet away in another room conducting other business. So we all knew that it would be fine because, you know, we got Bernie again. <laughs> I am Lily Browning with the Hernando County Utilities uh, Water Department, Water and Sewer Department. Um, I'm the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program Coordinator in uh, here in Hernando County. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, buddy. Good morning, Sam. And again, I am Bill's regular co-host, but apparently um, I have a regular co-host here of Hernando County Master Gardener Volunteer Extraordinaire, Mr. Bernie Bathour. Um, I came once again down to the actual physical plant clinic that they have here in Hernando County. Um, to, to crash his plant clinic. And this is a pretty hopping place here this morning. We had just, busy. you know, we, we, there's people um, having a good time over in the other room. We have a master gardener uh, who was a master gardener for 40 years in Colorado. She's now a Florida master gardener and she wanted to come and learn from the best here, uh, Mr. Bernie. And um, there's a gentleman um, sneaking around. I told you he wasn't very far away. Do you want to pop in and say hello, or do you want to just keep taking pictures of us? See, I told sure, you. Sure, here. I'll, I'll, I'll stick. Hey, hey, there we go. I'm, in, I'm on the screen now. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm we tied up for the. You. <laughs> okay. I'm tied up for the whole day. Oh, I mean, I'm good. Tied up for the whole day running a conference online. So I'm going to leave this in. Lily and Bernie's hands. I'm sure they can answer everything today. We're in contract negotiations for a spinoff, by the way. It's going to be the Lily and Bernie show. You know, we could do that. <laughs> yeah. Get a hold of me. <laughs> okay, and Buddy and Lee and Basam's here. Oh, before you go off, um, I'm not sure how to do that sharing of the of the email. No, so you can oh. help me with that. Do I click share? Right. Okay, the email, email, email up and first. if you open yeah. the email, open okay. the picture. But I didn't click share. I need to do that, right? Well, it, it has to be open, and then when you go to click share, it's it'll be one of your choices. Okay, but it should be open. Um, hard to do without two. Yeah, that's <laughs> a really small monitor. Yes. So it, does open and shrink down count? Probably. <laughs> Let's try. Go to share screen. Share, share screen. And then go all the way over to try Chrome tab. Nope. Okay, so email open on Chrome or a different browser? It's open on Chrome. Uh, are you sure you click on the on the what? Click double click on it to open it, probably. I don't know if any if everybody can see this or not. Probably not because you have to screen share it. So yes. Where do we go? Um, <laughs> Good 
Good question. Okay. So let's hit share. We're going to Lee, we're trying to share your beautiful pictures. That's what we're trying to do. Let me try one more time. Share screen. I only see. Ah. Oh. Okay. Do you think they see this? Probably. I can't uh, yeah. guarantee it. We're working with one monitor. And then when you're done, if you just click quit share. Okay. Let us know see if, if you you're can... able to open multiple screens. You can. Yeah. Let us know if you can see. Um, now it's disappeared again. Okay. There you go. Let us know if you can see this. Um, okay. I have to go deal with my own problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. Lee wanted to share some of her wonderful proceeds in her garden in Broward County. Um, it does say it's sharing, so I'm hoping that you all can see it. See if I can find you guys again. Um, just leave me a note whether you can see it or not, because <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time at it if you guys can't see it. But um, we're looking at wonderful vegetables of um, fleas there in Broward County. Beautiful cabbage, mustard greens, cauliflower, all those wonderful winter crops. Um, scallions mixed in with sunflowers or next to sunflowers, the pictures. Uh, German Johnson tomato, sweet 100 cherry tomatoes, compact cherry tomatoes. Man, she's got a food forest down there. Look at these. Oh. Beautiful bananas. Yes, yes. Yep. And now we get into Gladia. the the flowers, Gladia, frog fruit. I'm not sure what is that. Um. Without my glasses. Oh, you know, know, come on, you know the viney thing. That's just <laughs> Florida. Wisteria. Um, not wisteria. No, the, the with red bracts and the pink and all that. It's a very common name. <laughs> Anyway, here's a couple um, butterfly attractors, and we'll we're going to talk about this: um, some angel's trumpet, milkweed, and some. Um, no, I just lost that name too. Of course, I just had it. Looks like salvias, all kind of beautiful. Oh, look at the kunji as well. So thank you, Lee, and I hope everyone could see that. Um, oh, what is? the base name for this um uh this one clarodendron oh. <laughs> okay we're gonna stop sharing for now uh so current tab let's see if we can get back okay yay buddy says we could see that thank you buddy i'm glad i just didn't waste three minutes of your time so those were beautiful pictures thank you um lee for sharing i say next week the all meet in lee's yard broward county send your address lee. <laughs> we'll all be down there buddy will drive down uh from tallahassee to broward <laughs> don't worry we're just teasing you gas prices are going to keep us you know right here <laughs> where we are um i hope everyone is doing well this morning we got something great here in Hernando County just last night and this morning. Did you notice that? I got rain. Yes. I hadn't seen it in so long. I had to ask my wife what it was, <laughs> but she remembered. Fortunately, she's a little sharper. Than I okay. 
we even got rain at my house, which is uh, fairly shocking. <laughs> Where I live, I swear, is a uh, donut hole of, um, you know, of the rain does not <laughs> go there, but we got a lot. So when I was driving to work this morning, you know what I saw? This odd color I haven't seen in a while either. Green. <laughs> yes. Everything was so that bright spring, spring green um, was just. And I've told, I told you, remember I told you? Yeah. Don't worry about everything being straw colored, golden colored, brown colored, because first spring rain, everything is going to really green up. And how I really recognize spring is when all the trees have that light new green. When you're driving around, you can pick that out. So we're definitely in spring, even though supposed to get cold this weekend, isn't it? Let's get down into the 30s here. Yes. And, uh, and, and I think this weather has fouled up our, our oak trees because so many of the trees are late in uh, changing the leaves this year. It's, uh, They're not late in pollinating. <laughs> no. it, it, it's, I've, I've had several people complain that the, uh, they haven't relieved yet. And uh, that, that's going to be a, a problem because it's going to extend the pollen season. So if you're a sufferer, you're probably going to have an extra month this year uh, of, of heavy tree pollen. I, I've noticed just this week a lot of things relieving outside of cubicle where I live, or I'm sorry, where I work. <laughs> um, we had, well, it's on the second floor, but it's a real high second floor. It could easily be a third floor. Um, sycamores, they have a wall of windows absolutely gorgeous where our cubicles are the more important people with offices they have a, a lovely view of uh, the highway 50 and 7-eleven and stuff <laughs> the western cubicles have really nice much nicer view and sycamore trees out there not something i would recommend in a lot of places but they they've grown really tall so they are our companions you know to our windows there and I swear leaves got on the one near my cubicle in one day. I actually had to look at pictures because I took pictures the day before and there were some leaves on it. I just hadn't quite noticed them, but it they just it burst out in leaves in a day overnight. The reason I took pictures the day before is because suddenly firefighters decided to come to our building and practice and put their big long extended ladder thing you know right past where i sit in my cubicle i was hyperventilating because i was sure they were going to fall off but you know they're professionals and so anyway um lee says we can feel free to visit anytime so um let's all go down to broward county there's a couple of things i um wanted to mention um your yard is absolutely gorgeous and but it reminded me because I did notice the uh, tropical milkweed. And I know you want to attract the monarchs and all of us are doing you know, what we can to save the monarchs. Now this might be a bit of a different talk for you in South Florida than someone in Central or North Florida. So just keep that in mind because there are monarchs who, that's their last stop is South Florida. 
So, you know, you may be okay down there with that tropical milkweed, although the better alternative is always the native milkweeds. Do we know that the uh, migratory uh, uh, butterflies actually go down into the southern Florida? I thought that uh, this was uh, this area, like Interstate 4, was about as far as it went, but that may not be correct. Do, do you have a any knowledge um just what you know i have been um anecdotally told that there's a there's a group that stays in south florida for those of us here in central and north florida and anywhere else really um this is you know this is a bit of a difficult talk because we all wanted to jump on the bandwagon of saving the monarchs right there's a big 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 thing and everybody um <laughs> um you know had to go out and get milkweed so the stores you're like oh yeah here's a way to make money well what's the easiest milkweed for them to get that tropical milkweed that tropical milkweed is native to da -da -da -da, mexico where you know most of the monarchs are trying to get to well the problem with it is if you're growing it central north florida georgia pennsylvania all the way up there Nah, up north, they are going to freeze back. But here in um, especially central Florida, they don't freeze back. They don't die back because of shorter um, daylight hours like our native milkweeds would do. So why is that a problem? Because you have a plant that's supposed to grow in Mexico. You have these butterflies that think, oh, I'm in Mexico. Oh, I'm at the end of my journey. That's, you know, one of the issues and they stick around, don't go further south. And then we have a freeze and those butterflies are not built to withstand a freeze or they um, utilize them as host plants. You have a caterpillar that emerges in January, February with nothing to eat, <laughs> you know, no nectar, not enough nectaring plants around so and i just read a um a scientific article i think dr lester sent it to me or i sent it to him one or the other back and forth and it was from several universities and i'm waiting to see what the university of florida is going to say but i think every university is going to back it um it was a scientific you know paper um talking about this protozoa this natural protozoa that monarch butterflies have called OE. I'm not even going to try and say its name. I <laughs> just look up monarch and OE. And it's natural. It's on them. It's, you know, this protozoa that, you know, grows on them. And they've always had it and, you know, have dealt with it. But when Janana humans <laughs> got involved in trying to save them and in the best place in our heart, you know, wanted to plant more milkweeds and what was available with this tropical milkweed. And what have we learned about social distancing in the past two years? It hadn't been very effective <laughs> with the monarchs. It, it turned out to be a real problem. You bring a, a big group of monarchs together and uh, the population goes down because they start passing this protozoa around. There's too many of them hanging around. Now I know when they go to Mexico, that's all they do is hang around with each other. But again, that's natural. So the weak ones 
you know, they may die off anyway, but if they can't even get that far and they're passing around this protozoa to each other, um, doesn't hurt the grown butterflies, but it can destroy uh, the chrysalises and the pupa in, inside, or they may be born deformed and never be able to make the trip, or they, you know, may not be born at all. So, and this scientific paper has found that three main causes, one of them is the overuse of the tropical milkweed. The other one is big hearted humans trying to help out and having the indoor type rearing of um, the butterflies of the monarchs. And then the other one is, you know, like if you order them to be released at a wedding or a funeral or something like that, you know, so you've helped create that business. And, you know, I think those two things um, are even more responsible than, you know, it all works together. So as a homeowner, what do we do? Well, we try our very, very best to get native milkweed. Um, and they're, they're working hard, you know, the native milkweed producers, it's that big circle, you know, if we don't buy it, then it's not, um, you know, productive for them to try and sell it, but it, also it's hard to propagate. So they're not going to keep trying if they don't have a market and then we, there's not a market. So we give up and we go to where it's easy to buy, you know, it's, it's a perpetual thing, but they're working. So do your best to get the native kind. If you have the tropical milkweed in central or North, either take it out, which is what Lee is going to do, or um, at the very, very, very least, keep it cut back um, October through April. Right. What, what people don't really realize is that these monarchs congregate basically on two locations, two small locations in Mexico. And a few years back, there was a freeze in their roosting site. There were actually monarch bodies 10 inches deep at their 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 spot um, they leave uh, they, they go north uh, they, they go east they come south and then they go west again well the the thing about it is that route is fixed and what's really amazing is that, that it's not the same generation that gets back that started out they, they have multiple generations to make this total route but the route is passed on from generation to generation. So there, there's something that's wired in their brain that mm -hmm. tells them how to go. And, and we don't know what that is. It's, you know, there are a handful of animals that, that can do that. The uh, Louisiana albatross, uh, uh, the green sea turtles. It's imprinted uh, but, in, the, in their DNA. But how it's how done it, and, and yeah. how they navigate, uh, we don't know. I don't know. You know, people tried the same thing and, and they end up in a condition known as lost. <laughs> so. Well, and, you know, we want to do our best to save the monarchs. So, of course, have a butterfly garden outside. Use natives, you know, as much as humanly possible. But, and I know people with very big hearts who want to, you know, they do all the raising in their screen porch or whatever in those little cages and all of that. And they don't want any wasps to get them 
and they, you know, want to feel that they have helped and been successful. The best way we can help is to have butterfly gardens outside and let nature happen. Some of them are going to die, unfortunately. Some of them, some of the caterpillars are going to be a nutrient rich, soft, wonderful meal for a baby bird. You know, just <laughs> we have to accept that whole circle of life in order to help. You know, we have people call the extension and complain that they love butterflies, but they can't stand all these little caterpillars eating their food. <laughs> well, plants. we've had that too. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> we've uh, literally had that happen. He's not making that up. And, <laughs> and the, the fact that you're going to have to have host plants and, and nectar plants, and you're going to have to have uh, some caterpillars eat your plant, you, you need to understand that before you start attempting to do something with the butterflies. You can't do just one and be successful. It, it really takes both of you. You have to take care of the whole lifestyle. Right, of, right, right, right. Of, of and so then you have to have plants that are going to be eaten by things, you know. Yeah. We, now we've literally had that. I want the butterflies, but these caterpillars are eating. My, that's what they're supposed to do. But that's another issue we have found with the tropical milkweed, too, is and people, um, you know, trying the rearing process themselves, not just setting it up outside and letting it happen, but trying it themselves. Well, they end up with so many um, caterpillars that eat up all of their milkweed. Then they have their panic times and they're calling everyone, they need more milkweed, they need more milkweed, they need more milkweed. And um, again, that's also encouraging that too much uh, closeness of the butterflies that might be passing the protozoa around. And I have had, you know, a uh, master gardener, you know, confess to me that she fell into that and had to get more milkweed for because, you know, they were just eating everything. So she ran to the big box store and got the um, milkweed that they had provided. This is another thing I didn't mention. What do they do in the big box stores to make the plants last longer? A lot, some of them have systemic pesticides in them. All her caterpillars were dead by the next day when she brought those new uh, milkweeds in from the big box store. So that was a very tragic story. So in our in the abundance of compassion, we as humans sometimes screw things up. <laughs> so I guess the story, the moral is have your butterfly garden and let nature do what nature does. Makes sense. Yes. Many, uh very interesting morning. I had uh, a, a sample brought in. Let's see if uh, we can get this. Yeah. Can we see? Fellow wanted to know specifically for sure what those are, and those are termites. Turns out that's probably the best preserved sample somebody's brought me. He told me those were the healthiest termites he's ever seen, aside from the fact that they're dead. Yeah, those are, <laughs> those are really nice. They're <laughs> hard to see. The camera doesn't uh, want to focus on them. Yeah, please don't don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to crush. I gotta, I'm not going to crush you. Okay, I, I have to identify them out to the exact species. He, he wants to key them. But, so how do you, what do you do when you key them? Well, you look at the veins in the wings. These are really difficult to, uh, to tell specifically what one you've got until you look at the mouth parts. Uh, some of the, the insects you end up counting hairs on their rear end. To, uh, 
determine which insect you've got. And uh, so that's what Bernie does as a master gardener. He counts, yeah, kind of he counts hairs on bugs. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, we we do identification and uh, we we need to either be able to identify it here or to provide enough clues that uh, we can get the university to uh, do an identification for us. I'd say we can do probably 99% of the insects that come in here. Well, this is a time those termites have wings. You said you need to look at the venation on the wings, but this is the time that they are it's warm. swarming. I lost that word too. There's two types of, of termites. The uh, subterraneans uh, require moisture, so they, they have a setup where they can get back to the, the ground. The question is, where did he find these? He found them in a piece of furniture, but the problem there is these look like subterraneans uh, from. Because uh, mm. Cindy, Cindy is guessing um, dry wood, and that would be my first thought if it came. I would, I would have thought dry wood, but the, yeah. the venation uh, is, is almost certainly subterranean. subterranean. So if, if that's correct, uh, that's not too bad. Uh, he's going to bring in the frass or poop and don't worry uh, we always bring up poop in this oh, in this show and, and that also is is an identification apparently aid. poop is just part of life it is yes <laughs> so uh, we'll know better this afternoon but i i uh, well you'll have to takes about let uh, us know next week takes about 15 minutes uh, to go through this thing and and make a decent identification for real but he was yes before the cameras turned on he was tearing the room apart looking for his key that he likes to use <laughs> he was he's rather annoyed that his termite key was not where he usually put it <laughs> that's what happens when you share uh, a desk i guess with other <laughs> volunteers um bernie has a great time as a master gardener um oh Let's go back to that that rain and it's going to get cool again. Um, I heard a conversation with you and Ellen when I came in, who's watching us. Um, she told us something interesting about Colorado as a master gardener there. Um, they would uh, used to be able to tell everyone you could start planting after Mother's Day. And then, you know, it seemed like the climate changed and they would get feet of snow. <laughs> so after Mother's Day, so they had to switch to June 1st. That's very interesting because how that mirrors here in Central mm -hmm. Florida, we used to tell people March 15th, five days from now, March 15th, you are safe. Um, we won't get a frost or freeze after March 15th. And I'd say in the past 10 years, maybe a little longer, that went out the window. Then we've had frost or freezes on April 3rd. Yes. So now I give people a window of March 15th to like April 5th. <laughs> and how brave are you? I know, I know you've already cut stuff down. <laughs> I, know, I know you have. No, these are, these are good people that would not do that. They listen to all the horticulturists. These are the smart ones. No, you've cut stuff down. <laughs> Oh no! You just can't. Well, these, it these are better people than you are. <laughs> I'm just uh, taking that risk. Not everything. Not the stuff that really is using the dead 
um, leaves that, you know, act as a protectant, like my um, firecracker bush, you know, part of that is dead and trying to come back. I've left that alone. But things like sages, you know, they just have big dead sticks that aren't doing anything to protect the new growth. I've cut those down a little few, a few things. Because <laughs> it's so nice out and you can't help it. He is very eager to introduce our friend over here. <laughs> See, Diana's a master gardener. She's guilty too. She cuts stuff down too. Um, this is our friend, I guess. Yeah, his name is Seymour. This no, is no, Seymour. no, no. The guy who fed him was Seymour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't remember the plant's name. Yeah. Yeah, no, because you say feed me Seymour. So, yeah, the other guy was Seymour. We'd have to look up the plant's name. We have, uh, we've talked about her before, this wonderful um, person who runs the office here. <laughs> her name is Teresa. <laughs> and she, you know how it is when the, the clerical person actually runs everything. But she's also a natural resources program assistant. She's also probably the most creative person I know. So this is just one of her. And energetic. I have never seen anybody that's on the move constantly. I mean, yes. she, she gets up early and she runs until late in the evening. I just, I don't know how she does it. And, uh, yeah. and she's, she's, she's magical. <laughs> so birds far, right. land on her hands. I mean, there, there hasn't been anything she can't do, and and you you need something, and and if we don't have it normally at the extension, she says, oh, "I've got one in the car. <laughs> we're we're working on something, and we needed a saw." She says, "I got a table saw in the car." <laughs> oh, well, that's yes. really good. So we, we, a little while later, we're, we're at the point where we're going to laminate something. Oh, I've got a laminator in the car. <laughs> I, I cannot believe it. it, it it's, it's like she's got a little Lowe's out there in the car. <laughs> then uh, when I tell people I used to have Teresa's job, I guess I have to, you know, clarify. I wasn't it wasn't as good as her. <laughs> it was pretty good. And Bernie and I, um, he became a master gardener, and they allowed me in that position to take the training too in 05. And so we, you know, would have a good time. He would come and do the plant clinic just like he's doing now. And we learned a lot together over the years. And that's why it's not hard for us to do this plant clinic because making stuff up to talk about for an hour is no big deal. <laughs> we used to do it for eight hours when I worked here. Um, except we have to stick to plants on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, I got different jobs in the county and now I'm in, this Florida friendly landscaping job, which is a perfect job for me. It's that I don't work for extension anymore, but I partner with you guys all the time. So it is, it is really great. I don't know if I'm going to be able to share again. We'll see how, how lucky I get. Um, let me try and open my email and then share again. Oh, oh, cool. Look what I did, Bernie. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, now it's really little. <laughs> so share. And let's see if we can share oh, some pictures from my email here. Hopefully everyone can see that. And you'll let us know if you saw it or not, because I'm going to share some pictures um, that I have gotten. These are also on my Facebook page. This is from a county employee. 
And what do you know what this is, Bernie? No. Okay. Yay. I know something Bernie doesn't. This is a native plant called sky blue lupine. It looks like lupine. I didn't yeah. realize we had a native. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And that is very interesting because this person was told that he had Texas blue bonnet. And I, when he told me that, I was like, yeah, okay. And then he sent the picture and I said, okay, that is our native sky blue lupine, which is, they're both lupines. So I can see where the confusion would be, but look what it's growing <laughs> He lives on the coast, near the coast. And, uh, and it, this also grows in the woods near my house too. And some patches in my yard, which is also very sandy and dry. And it has these wonderful like lamb's ear leaves and then the wonderful blue spikes. It looks like a water loving plant, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, but it's, don't you try to transplant it. It won't be happy with that. Um, you can find seeds for it at different native plant areas or, or find it in pots. Um, let's check to see if people could see that. Yay. Thank you. Bosom. All right, let's do it again then. <laughs> um, this is another picture from a photographer friend of mine. She wanted me to show this. And we've seen a lot of this white ibis. Um, the birds are, you know, out this time of year. And what are they doing there in her yard? They're looking for insects. That's right. You see them. Those, those are around. black when they're their first year. They they transition from black to white to become very spotty. So you'll see a, a group of white with uh, some black spotty ones. Uh, that those are at the end of their first year. They are just black for the first year. Oh, so. interesting. But here's another sign of spring. And what um, Alice Mary wanted me to point out about this photo she took is what, you know, a good reason to avoid pesticides, especially this time of year or broadcast spraying year long with pesticides because not only do they need the bugs to survive, they need non-poison bugs <laughs> well, to survive. Most people don't understand for every one of the, the insects that does damage, there's something that eats that insect. Right. So uh, if, if you go in and you kill off all the insects, the bad guys come back and sure. there aren't any good guys to attack them. So the bad guys grow tremendously out of proportion and, and where you, you had everything in, in, in balance and, and didn't really have a problem. As soon as you spray the pesticide, everything's out of balance. And the next year you have real problems, which means you have to spray again. You created a super race of bad guys. And, and eventually you're, you're in this spraying continuously and your neighbors are spraying continuously. And I don't know where you think that poison goes, but it ends up in the water. And who's drinking the water and being poisoned? You are. So do not use a poison as a general rule. If you need it and you absolutely know you need it, fine. But don't have a, a lawn service company come out and spray an insecticide when you don't know that you need it. You're just you're poisoning your children. That's not that's not nice. It's not fair. Here on a lighter note is uh, Master Gardener Diana um, lives in a community close by here. And she got this Chickasaw plum from one of our Arbor Day giveaways. So it was tiny, 
Um, but she says about five or six years ago. So look at it blooming last week. Beautiful. And and this is a, a plant that a, a lot of times you'll you'll drive along and it'll be near a roadway somewhere here. Mm-hmm. You're out in the country mm-hmm. where it, you it, think it's a dogwood. Yeah, it's it's at the edge of the woods, but it's it's just a beautiful white. Uh, they produce some little tiny fruit. Uh, the birds are going to get them. Oh, they love you do. You're, yeah. you're never going to have a chance at. But it it is a, a great plant, and and it is native. That's 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 a nice thing to add to almost any landscape. Yeah. Yes. I highly recommend them. Um, and one more thing I want to share with everyone who happens to be anywhere in or around Hernando County, we're having an Earth Day celebration. Um, between Florida Friendly Landscaping and the Hernando County Master Gardeners and other various um, entities um, on Saturday, April 23rd at the Master Gardener Nursery on Oliver Street in Brooksville. Anyone familiar with this area that is the same street you'd follow to go to animal services behind the fairgrounds, but you just kind of stay straight and you will end up in the parking lot where the master gardeners have their nursery but we're also going to have a pollinator workshop um kathleen shields is going to be running that um we'll have a kids table by the amazing teresa (laughs) and uh, just the lady who took the picture of those ibis she's going to help run a macro photography workshop so either bring your phone or your camera whatever you want and she'll tell you how to get those wonderful close-ups of uh butterflies flowers she trained me and helped me get that picture right there. That's mine. So, you know, um, she's a great teacher. We'll also have recycling information and, of course, information about Florida-friendly landscaping. So let's see if we can do the. I hope they saw that. Maybe not. But do we have any questions? Yes. If we have any. Oh, sorry. You couldn't see the pictures. Um, some of them could, well, I'm sorry, (laughs) it didn't work. You know where all those pictures are? (laughs) I will tell you where all those pictures are. They are all on my Facebook page. Sorry, I'm not really all that good at showing his, uh, figuring out his StreamYard program. There you go. Every one of those pictures that I just showed you are, um, or tried to show you are on my Facebook page there. You get to see the sky blue lupine, the ibis, that Chickasaw plum, and also find out about that Earth Day celebration as well. So if we have any questions, um, we're here to answer them. If anyone has any new questions today, oh, we do, Cindy. Uh, Is there a natural way to get rid of drywood termites since we've got termites up? Or do you need to tent your house? Unfortunately, that's what you end up having to do. Uh, if, if the infestation is caught really quick, uh, they can treat just an area. But if it's taken any time, uh, they end up doing the tinning. I had a, a friend that, that found some sawdust uh, on one of the windowsills. And uh, they came out and, and they found that uh, the infestation was uh, only an area about uh, eight or nine feet square uh, and they mm-hmm. ended up they were able to, to locally treat that area but uh, if, if it had been any worse than that they would have ended up tending the house that, that is really a, 
a serious thing to have to have happen. Uh, and, and of course, if you've got uh, tropical fish, uh, how do you move a, a big aquarium? You got to. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, had one of those situations where I thought I was going to have to have that done, and I had a hundred gallon aquarium. You got to move everything out, and you got to take the water out because the water will get the poison in it. And fortunately, it wasn't what I thought it was. So. And it's a different um, attitude here in Florida. It's interesting. Um, for some reason maybe that was years ago too up north if your house had to be tented it was like this big embarrassment mm -hmm. <laughs> people looked at you like ew what's wrong with you <laughs> you know down here it's like no big deal and i remember talking to someone um, who grew up in miami and she was like what do you if someone had to get their house tented all their friends brought all their <laughs> wooden old wooden furniture into their friend's house it was like you know a big celebration so woohoo i get to get this chair treated for free years so well up, up north termites and bed bugs are about as common so you know yeah. you never knew why they were being treated but it must have been something really serious Here, okay. okay termites are, are very very common and uh, there's no stigma associated with it so there shouldn't be any stigma anyway, but it just seems like there always was, you know, and I guess it may have come off, like you said, from bed bugs um, or from even coming out of uh, the 1918 flu, you know, that you're just like afraid of, ooh, there's something, yeah, there's the something unknown and maybe that will cause me harm going on there. So I'm going to, you know, ostracize them or something. And now you just drive by and you're like, oh, yeah, look, Dan's house is being treated. <laughs> so I guess that's a good thing in some way. Um, do we have any other questions here? Um, Lee also has a giant milkweed. Um, so if we have any other, what should be going on in your vegetable garden about now? These looks gorgeous. This, this is about time, uh, you know, if, if you had plants started, uh, you, I would say I, I would put them out now. Okay. This, this, this yeah. is one of those things where... You uh, mean warm season plants? Warm season. I, I think you, you could probably count on ending your, your warm season garden. You, you've got... Uh, three months right now of, of warm season and then the then warm it's, season's then it's too done. Hot. Then yeah. it's too hot. So uh, you're, you're probably going to be able to find some plants that Walmart hasn't been able to sell or one of those places. And and now is the ideal time to buy those plants. They've gotten big. Uh, you put them in the ground, they're going to start producing right away, especially tomatoes. That's th This is the perfect time to start. A, a big tomato plant. You, you'll have plenty of time to get some fruit. And uh, tomatoes are, are like the, the apples of the north here. Uh, apples are, are the number one plant for diseases. There, there's over 200 diseases that affect apple trees. Uh, and there's about 200 diseases that affect uh, tomatoes. Every, every fungus that exists Every virus that exists affects tomatoes. 
it's just it, it's a tough plant if, if it's not in its little time frame. I was reading a, a book that was its time frame was the 30s and 40s. And it was about, uh, you know, coincidentally about uh, apple orchards in Maine. And oh my gosh, we're reading about all the poisons and chemicals they put all over those those apples at that time. I was like, oh my gosh, it was, you know. They actually used arsenic on the fruit at some some point, trying to do the, solve problems. You know, it, the the 20s were probably not a good time to be buying raw vegetables. Hmm. Um, yeah, so we have a question here from Bassam. He wants to know, is having mulch or compost close to the house, will that encourage termites to get in the house? Yes, it will. Um, <laughs> some term, some of the mulches are worse than others. Uh, the the Melaleuca is, is the most termite free, but none of them are, none of the woods are actually perfect. So, uh, well, because that's termites, what they eat. Yeah. So you, you really need some space between uh, the mulch and the building. And what you want to do is, is look for the little uh, tubes on, on the building. You don't, mud tubes. Yeah, little mud tubes. And you don't want plants that actually touch the building. If, if you have um, landscaping that, that touches the building, prune it back so that there is a space between the landscaping and the building. Uh, the the subterranean termites, which are what you're looking at in this situation, have to be able to return back to a source of moisture. And if you eliminate their uh, ability to get in in the first place, then you don't have to worry about them getting back. Should you fill that space with rock? Absolutely no. <laughs> Uh, I think. Uh, Can you tell? I ask him leading questions. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the nice thing about rock is that once you start with rock, you never get rid of it. Uh, it. It slowly sinks in. While it's standing up there, it produces a tremendous amount of heat. Uh, it cooks off the plants that are uh, in front of it. Uh, it. It adds absolutely nothing to anything, and becomes a mess later on, no matter what you try and do. So it also holds in moisture. So you can, they can climb that the rocky area because it's, you know, it's wet there to get to your house. If you have nothing but bare sand, like even what, eight inches or so? Yeah. Uh, you've created the Sahara Desert there for them. Hard to keep the weeds out of there. Also, if you are, um, irrigating that all the time you, yeah. you're not solving that problem either. You, you know what i think about weeds so there, there's a product that works really good on weeds it's called glyphosate <laughs> and uh, it's it's one of those things that there is a, a difference of opinion in in the world there are those that like roundup and there are those that don't like roundup i happen to be one that, that does um she's on the fence I am on the fence. You know that, and, and <laughs> because I just say nothing. That's yeah. the easiest thing. <laughs> but it, it it has a definite um, place to, and that that's one of the places that 
to keep things clean in that that situation. It works pretty well. It also makes having that space makes it easier if you're going to paint your house or you have um, workers coming, you know, to get to various you know, sections of your house that they need to get to. Um, makes it all cleaner all the way around. But rock, you know, just putting rocks all around your house, as he said, as Bernie said, it's not good for the plants that you have in it. We're in Florida, it's hot. You've created a wonderful little pizza oven for <laughs> your plants. I love rocks, I love rocks so much. I'm sure Ellen Colorado loves <laughs> rocks too, but I use them as decorative points, borders um, for the, the plant beds, things like that, but not as a mulch. So, and when we are talking about mulches, yeah, well, right now, as we're talking to you, there are termites in your yard. They're there. They're part of the natural ecosystem. What you need to do is to try to keep them away from your house. And I don't know anymore if they treat the ground like they used to before they build houses or what they utilize to do that. I'll have to find that out. The the chemical that, that was super effective <laughs> yeah. is, is obviously banned now. Yes. It, uh, what was it, chlordane? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And that worked really well. Killed uh, everything. You know, it, no there, are, thing and that's all. there are some situations though on rocks where they look good and they work right. If there's no landscaping and then there's nothing where the, the radiant heat off the rocks is going to foul things up, mm -hmm. put a barrier down, put edging, and build the rocks on top of the barrier. Now, now it's got to be out in the open. And at that point, if, if you need to uh, go in and, and remove it, and, and by a barrier, I mean something like uh, uh, hardware cloth. Yeah, you need that barrier because here in Florida, you put down rocks. By the next year, you will have no idea where those rocks are. Yeah. So if there, you use hardware cloth. It could be in cloth, the aquifer. <laughs> that stops the, the mobility by having them build up slightly. Is uh, an all makes it easier yard a viable option? In California, probably. In Florida. Uh, I can answer. I'll tell you right now. No. You will not be considered a Florida-friendly yard if it's all rock. Florida-friendly yards need plants. Kind of weird. Um, so an all-rock yard, you may think that's the answer to my landscaping issues. It's not. It's going to be hot as heck. It's going to make your energy bills go up like crazy, and especially if you live in a mobile home or something like that. And because a lot of them want to solve their issues with their small lots and their mobile homes of just having all rock. I can't imagine what their electric bill is, and you wouldn't want to enjoy any time outside like that. And the weeds are going to pop through. So you're going to be using more of his product, which, um, you know, is not a good thing to overuse, especially anyway. So I say use them decoratively, like if you have an area... I'm all for them for uh, like gravel for paths, walking, walking mm -hmm. paths, because that is a Florida friendly um, uh, principle, you know, to allow more permeable surfaces in your yard. So 
gravel, shells, uh, mulch walkways allow the water to go through. I love mulch walkways. I, I don't understand why we don't do that more often. That uh, is, is the ideal situation. I You know, um, pine bark mulch mm -hmm. works perfect for that. It, it, it decomposes slowly. Uh, it, it improves the soil. Uh, it, there's nothing bad about pine bark mulch. It, it makes perfect walkways. Well, I wouldn't say nothing. I'm, I'm talking it's about... It's fairly flammable. <laughs> so you're always going to find something. In, in the walkway. Yes, in the walkway. Yes. I, you know, I've never had a fire in my walkways. Okay. So. Well, I'm just... Because right now, and that's something we can talk about in the next eight minutes, um, we just had rain. But before that, it was dry, 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 dry. And those freezes that we discussed and all those brown plants. So, well, let me back up. Mm. Let me back up and say Florida with no people in it is a fire maintained wilderness. So that's what it wants to do naturally is maintain itself by having wildfires. And there are some plants that actually can't grow without that. And um, so a lot of the native plants are actually pretty flammable because of you know how nature should work so now we all live here and the whole country learned about um, what a bad idea fire suppression was uh, um that they did you know what probably 1900 to 1916 probably or or more um and you know a lot of places are learning to do the controlled burns at least in the wild areas um but obviously you can't do that in your yard. So we have all this frozen material. We have it hot as heck and we have it windy and any spare spark could start a fire. And I know here in Hernando County, we've had little brush fires pretty much continuously for the past two weeks. Our Wikiwachi Preserve got to um, experience some fire, which I thought were the preserve not as a big deal as if it were in the neighborhood because you know again that fire maintained wilderness might actually be a fairly good thing um so i've been thinking that bill and i need to do a little impromptu class on firewise landscaping if people are concerned about that and what i my um challenge is to find the balance between florida friendly and firewise because sometimes they contradict each other but the real balance is in that defensible space. You can have all those native wonderful plants but keep them outside of the range of the defensible space around your yard. And your, your pine bark march, mulch made me think about that too. So many of the plants have a waxy coating and uh, that wax burns. That, uh, you, you know, it's, it's amazing if, if you're from up north and and you had a fire in your backyard, anything that was green didn't burn. Mm -hmm. But you come here and almost anything that's green has got something that's going to burn. It, it's because, amazing. Because again, that's how this area was created. It's a fire maintained, you know, wilderness. So the plants are created to catch on fire and then start new life you know, again. So yeah, have and I mean not all native plants are flammable. I'm not going to say that by any means, but 
that's what I'm going to work on and get Bill and I to do maybe a pre-recorded class. If you're interested in that, look for it in the next few weeks, you know, when we get time <laughs> to do it about Firewise and Florida Friendly. There's its name, Florida Friendly Florida. and Firewise. See, there we go. What do you think of the uh, red mulch? Um, well, <laughs> I've tried to do some, some reading and the University of Florida doesn't have a lot to say about it. So assuming it's like a soy-based dye, that's not gonna hurt anything. It's probably, you know, not harmful. What about cypress mulch? <laughs> now he gets to ask the leading questions. Cypress mulch used to be touted as um, termite repellent, but I'll tell you now, there's no old hardwood cypress trees left except in preserves that would have that, um, you know, that the old oil in it, cypress oil that might repel termites. So what you are getting are new young trees that people go to the wetlands, shred down, sell to us instantly as mulch. That is not an ethical or sustainable practice that Florida Friendly Landscaping um, promotes. So even though you walk in this big box store and there's the cypress mulch at the door and it's the cheapest, just no Florida Friendly Landscaping. That's not a recommended mulch by Florida Friendly Landscaping just because it is not a sustainable practice for our um, ecosystem. The, um, the mulch that's probably the, the most Florida friendly is Melaleuca. We, we have trees, Melaleuca trees in South Florida that are a problem. The uh, solution- They're punks. Yeah. <laughs> they used to be called the punk tree. The, the the solution is to turn them into mulch and, and well that um, works and yes we could send it up north but you know we can't even get the, the people in the south to buy it it, it has and, and, yeah because of the melaleuca oil it does have some termite repellent properties i wouldn't count on it <laughs> it's not perfect but it's no. better than most right now um lee you know be careful if you want to get some melaleuca mulch, don't go to just this open area where they said, look, we shredded all these melaleuca trees. Go ahead and take the mulch. That's not heat treated to kill out the seeds. So get it from the store in the bags. I think it's called eco mulch, something like that. Flora mulch. Flora mulch is one of the names of it. It, it ages to like a nice silvery color. And in doing that, you are um, encouraging than that industry so that we get rid more of these invasive trees in South Florida. They were planted in the 30s to dry up the Everglades. They did a great job. <laughs> they really did their job really well, but now, of course, they're growing out of control. But when you fly over down there, it is, there's just miles of that stuff, and, and it's really dense, and it's it's a bad thing. Yeah, Melaleuca, just like, the, you know, the medicinal oil that you find that smells horrible, the, the melaleuca. Um, these are the trees. They got them from Australia. The interesting thing is I think they're endangered in Australia. So I'm not sure why we can't just ship some over. You know, I like that. <laughs> but, but again, that's again the wrong, wrong place because the most invasive species of all moved stuff around and 
mess stuff up. So, but that happens. Oh, it's 11 o'clock. So, yeah, okay. we could keep talking all day, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do have other stuff I need to do. And um, we know you do too. I think Bill will be back next week, but you know, not making any promises. <laughs> so um, hopefully we'll see him again. And thank you all very much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your beautiful yard with us, Lee. We're going to be down tomorrow. Expect us at uh, lunchtime. Um, you like some pressed Cuban sandwiches while we're <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. We'll see everybody, or I'll see everybody next week. Maybe we'll pop in and see Bernie, too. Who knows? Thank you, everyone, and have a great day.